Welcome to the inaugural Thinking Podcast by Nutribox. I'm your host, Jeffrey Wu, with my co-host, Michael Brandt. Hello. And the Thinking Podcast is going to be all about nootropics, biohacking, and ways to optimize human performance. That's obvious given our background as biohackers, as leaders in the space of biohacking. But what I'm also very curious about is the thinking about thinking, the meta-thinking, right? If you look at great brands like Nike or Apple, I think, for example, Nike, they're all about honoring great athletics, great athletes. And for us at Nutribox, what I think we think about all the time is, let's think about how to improve human thinking, human cognition. And we want to be honoring great thinkers, great thought leaders. Um, and coming from a pretty rigorous and scientific approach. And you know how we predicate thinking about this podcast and about how we build Nutribox is based on a system of five different axioms. We like to keep it rigorous and keep it pretty fundamental based. And for this episode of the podcast, we're gonna talk about the first axiom of our system, which is the human as a system. Yeah. So what does that mean to you, Michael? Well, in general with a system, there's, there's inputs into the system and there's outputs out of the system. Like, just in a very broad analogy, it's like McDonald's Funhouse. Like, there's all the slides that go in, and then like all the people shooting out of the tubes at the right. end. And you can think a lot about a lot of things like systems, like the like mail, like the USPS is a system, uh, computer is a system. We're here talking about the human body as a system. There's things that come out, or there's things that go in, there's things that happen. Some of it is very A B C D predictable. Sometimes there's randomness. And then things come out. Right. Yeah, I think when a lot of people think about humans or, or people, they think of people as emotional, unpredictable. Um, and, and, and I think that's a very naive way to think about people, right? Like we're no different from animals or, you know, like the complex universe, right? Like these are very complex systems as well. But there's baseline laws and observations we can use to predict an initial state to an end state. And a big part of biohacking is thinking about, hey, let's break down humans as not this unpredictable, emotional, weird creature, but something that we can like control the inputs and and, yeah. and optimize our certain outputs. I think I agree. I think that there is there is always the hey, humans have free will or like some personality, some magic that makes us humans rather than animals. But I would say that the what that magic really is, the soul, the whatever, is actually an ability to look at ourselves as an animal and to be able to control, manipulate, adjust that. To be able to see yourself from the outside and to see what makes you you. And people have been doing this for all of history, like been attempting to see what makes them them right. and then adjust it in some way. And then that is the human thing. Like it, it, the one way I've heard it described is participant evolution. Other animals just evolve, but humans participate in their own evolution and that's what makes us human and that's why we're like we pull away like no other maybe 10,000 years ago 20,000 years ago we looked more like an ape but now like no like we have the internet like we're we're significantly more yeah. advanced because of that ability to look at our situation and make it better yeah and I think that's interesting it's like every other animal's initial state if we think about a system it's like uh, like let's, let's talk about in a physical system right like Newton's like first like you know three laws of mechanics right you have 
given like initial starting position and a, a vector for its velocity acceleration, you can predict where it's going. And I think bringing it to human and, and biology, like every animal basically resets when they have a new generation essentially, right? Like there's some animals like monkeys that pass along notions of like tools and like hitting stones on nuts or something. But I think what makes humans especially interesting is that we, we pass our initial state really, really well by like writing, by having records and by, by teaching, right? And yeah, so again, like I think going to your notion about participant evolution, yeah, by like setting like new initial states that are better than before every single generation, like we're accelerating our, our growth rather than some like random natural selection, you know, random process. Yeah. So let's get into like that humans is a system thinking. Like what it, what is it, what were the things that you wanted to say about like humans as a system? Yeah. So I think if we accept the notion that, hey, humans can be broken down into subsystems, well, you know, we're both computer scientists. We both studied computer science at Stanford. And one way to look at um, predicting to the future is looking at history. And I think we have a pretty good body of historical knowledge on computer systems, right? And if we break down what computers are, there's a set of hardware like the CPU, the memory, the hard drive, and the software, like the like the, the programming, the applications built on top of it, right? So if we take this analogy, right, like, can we uh, apply this thinking to humans? Like, what would so, that mean well, to you? One, one question I, that pops in my mind right away is like, people thought that they figured out this human system like, you know, hundreds of years ago. Like there is this guy, Semmelweis, was a Hungarian doctor, and he was like a doctor in Austria, and he was the first guy to discover that washing your hands was like a way that to keep things clean in a hospital. Uh, and and the crazy thing about him is nobody believed him because it didn't make any sense in the system that they figured out where there's like four ethers and you have different levels of these ethers and, and anytime an individual gets sick it's a very personalized thing to that person and their like ether like the levels phlegm, the blood the yeah like and, the different yeah and so the idea that you would have to wash your hands it just didn't make any sense like he actually went to an he, he got committed to an insane asylum eventually <laughs> and his stuff only made sense like 20 30 years after he died when there's germ theory yeah right and so so what i mean i that what i mean to say there is that there was that system of ethers where people thought they were in, they understood the inputs and the outputs, and right. that was. This is when people were literally still bloodletting, like pull, like you'd have a leech that would like you have pull too much something blood out. in your system. You gotta let blood go out. Bad yeah. blood go out. Yeah. And so and so that was a system, and people were probably they probably thought that they understood it. Yeah. And so what's it? What? Where are we now? Then? No, that, like, that's what, a great yeah. question. I mean, I think there are a bunch of like medical or biological systems throughout history, right? Like yeah. Eastern medicine. I know for traditional Chinese medicine, there's like yin and yang and hotness and dampness and wind that are like, yeah, like the ethers of, of sort of traditional, I guess, Western medieval medicine. Um, I think a large part of why we're different now is the scientific revolution, scientific, scientific method, right? We're constantly, you know, disproving. It's, it's almost like the cool thing about the scientific method is you're only ever proving things wrong. Right? You never are predefining truth because you can't prove something to be true, but you can prove something to be wrong. Right? It's like finding like you cannot prove there's no unicorns out in the universe, right? Like we haven't explored every single corner of the universe, but like we have not found a unicorn yet, right? Like the right. hypothesis of you know. So so I think that the same thinking is applied to medical systems, right? Where or biological systems where 
I, I guess one of the best ways to test the val val validity of a system is the predictive power of a system, right? Like Newton's laws of physics were, were super good at predicting like catapults. It got us to the moon, actually. Did it, or did it have some ion, you know, general relativity? Well, relatively yeah, yeah. having the, you know, yeah, 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 thirty. So probably they had, but like the speeds that you know the astronauts were flying were not near light speed or yeah, near super heavy right. gravitational pull, right? So they, yeah, they were probably doing like Newtonian approximations to get people to the moon, but and, and that was good enough. But like when they were like looking at black holes or looking at celestial objects, you know, thousands of light years away and with gravitational bending and stuff, like the the formulas didn't work out as well, right? And that's where. Einsteinian general relativity starts, you know, predicting things better. Yeah. Right. And then the next level in physics is like quantum mechanics, right? Yeah. When you go in these super small uh, distances and, with super high gravity, then like general relativity messes up. And there's there's really interesting set with astronomy of systems that we've used. Right. Like we were able to navigate really well with a with the Earth-centered universe understanding. But having good maps of the stars, like our fundamental understanding was wrong that like the universe revolves around the Earth. Right. But that still allowed us to like within that system, we were still able to sail ships around and track it with the stars. Yep. And it wasn't until uh, later we figured out that like, hey, we, we rotate around the sun. But uh, you, you don't need to know that we rotate around the sun to know that like the North Star points north. Right. And, and so you can have assumptions like about local, the world. Local assumptions. Yeah make good enough local predictions where it's a good yeah. system. and i think that's actually a really interesting distinction like when we think about math right math is just a, math is a thing that we make up you make up a, a set of axioms and you say hey like these these are the rules of the system this is euclidean geometry or this is calculus right. and then ideally you know in a, a good math system is something or a good system is something like physics where it makes predictions about the real world right and like it's and, actually useful at that point Other, right otherwise, otherwise it's just, math land yeah it's math land yeah. um and and there, so there's a lot of systems, and when you go to like fuzzier and fuzzier areas, like like social sciences, there's still there's not so much systems as there are like schools of of thought or something, because it's hard to have just one main system. But with something like biology, it's like there like the body is a system, and we're actually figuring out what that looks like, the right we're models, the right mental. Yeah, we're definitely predicting things better, right? Yeah. Like we can do surgery now. Like we know that hey. The heart is not like where the soul is, where, what, what the Egyptians thought, right? Like your brain is not just some like useless mass. It's actually where your cognition is, right? So like we are understanding science a lot better, right? Like Semmelweis, right? Like the like germ theory, like informed that hey, people should be washing their hands before doing surgery or giving birth, right? Like so by the fact that like I think mortality rates have gone down, it, it shows that like our system of our understanding of biology and, and, and medicine is, is improving and I think the next step which I think we're you know very hard and our team is working very hard on is sort of the next paradigm shift in biological thinking right if you look at, up the definition of medicine it's the diagnosis treatment and prevention of diseases and diseases are basically humans in like a deficient state right so bring people from like not normal deficient states to normal states I think what's super exciting and what's going to be enabled in the future is bring people from normal states to enhanced states. That's all about, that's biohacking, that's smart drugs, that's like humans as, that's like evolution, participant evolution to like the next level. And so why, why do we need to be systems, or why do we need to understand this human system in order for that to be possible? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a great question, right? Like, that's because we're approaching it from a scientific approach, right? Like, if you don't have a systems thinking about a human, then there's no way for you to predict even the results, right? Like, you're just flying blind if you don't have any rules governing why humans are, are, are acting or reacting in a certain way, right? If there's, like, no idea, like, medicine, right? Like, you, you give you, like, a painkiller, you, know, you have a good prediction of how it will affect you, you give me uh, anti-cancer, anti-retro, you know, antivirals. You have a good understanding of how that would affect my cancer or my my cold, right? And again, that those are affecting deficient states. And to do enhancement better, we need to have a good baseline understanding of enhancement, right? Like, given this certain blend of nootropics, I expect certain results in reaction time and memory. Yeah. So what are some ways that you've looked at your system already and made improvements? Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, I think, yeah, I, I think we've all had personal experiences like, hey, our software, our personalities are evolvable, right? If you, going back to our analogy of humans as a computer system, well, our hardware is kind of like our DNA, our muscles, our bones, our, our, our you know, and our, I guess like our foods, what we consume. And our yeah. software is like our personality, like how we react to certain uh, environmental inputs. Like, oh, bright lights, so I freak out, or like loud noises. So it's like the main things that touch the hardware layer at this point are like medical interventions. Like you need, you broke a hip, or you're replacing your hip. Right. You get, they get in the hardware layer, or you have a heart attack, they get into the hardware layer. But it's generally like, like you don't touch that unless it's like medical reasons. Right. I think there's a whole other conversation around like. But there's like also being, I, I think like, also people touch software from like a PTSD, like ADHD. Like, oh yeah. So it's like I think you touching both, but they're very again they're very medicinal, right? Very like therapeutic based. Yeah. yeah. Whereas whereas uh, software is so, is more approachable. Like people talk about changing their personalities more so. It's more like something that we're used to. We're, we're used to have, like, improving yourself even, to be better. I even think that, like, for the mainstream person, changing your personality seems crazy. But, like, there's books like, like yeah, How yeah, Think and Grow Rich. and so There's right. books that are 100 years old that, that tell people, hey... Like, like the growth mindset versus yeah. the fixed mindset. Yeah, it's not... Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I, any, like, philosopher from 2,000 years ago like, is thinking about ways of altering human right. condition to yeah, no, be I think better. I've had a, yeah, I think we've had... I know that, you know, just in our conversation that we've both had like early experiences with the notion that, hey, we can manipulate and change our own personalities. Um, I remember, like I had a vivid memory of me in fifth grade and I went to a small private school and like every Friday we would like pledge allegiance to the flag and then have like different like school-wide announcements, maybe like 20, 30 kids a grade and it was like elementary school, so like 150 people total. And I was supposed to make some sort of announcement over, you know, some, math tidbit or something and I felt I, I for whatever reason I was like shy or just didn't want to do it because I think I was pretty stubborn at the time I'm still a stubborn person but stubborn and shy so I was like no I don't want to like make this announcement and I had like a friend literally make whatever I was supposed to say for me and I remember that as being kind of a weird moment because I was like why was I too shy to like make an announcement um, and I want to, I don't want to be like, like that. I want to be someone who's like comfortable public speaking. And 
I think that set me off a path of like being in positions to be public speaking. I remember that like in our fifth grade graduation ceremony, like I like projected really loud. I was like pretty energetic and, and, and people thought like I was like very happy to like graduate. Like my other classmates I remember were like crying or like really sad. And I was like, just like this very like happy to be graduating loud speech. And I think that was like a very early sign to me of like, hey, like my personality is not fixed. Like if there's certain areas that I want to improve, I can like just dedicate like cycles and thinking, hey, I will practice this. I will put myself out there to improve. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of these areas of like true true learning is like you're putting a new module into your brain right. in some way. I think like learning computer science is a total it's totally an example of that too. Where you're when you start learning about hey like here's how you would decompose a problem, write different methods to solve different parts of it. Here's how you would iterate over something. Here's how you would sort something. Here's right. how different systems connect to each other. And once you start thinking about that, it's like it's like you're you can never go back from it. You just have that new kind of module. You understand that way of, of thinking about the world. Or like, uh, for why I, I do stand-up comedy. I did a lot of stand-up comedy in college, as you know. And uh, that too is like, when you're getting good at that, it, it feels like you're installing some new like personality traits. What drove you to do it? Well, I wanted just to be funny. I thought that funny people have, have a really amazing control over the room. It's like Rasputin-like. Like if you can stand in front of a room and make people laugh, that that's like, that's it's a cool thing to do. A, it's just like a nice thing. It's it's a gift that you're giving to everyone, uh, and not everyone can give that gift. And B, like you, you, there is a sense of like power from it where you're you're the snake charmer, right? Like you move this way, all the eyes follow you. You move that way, all the eyes follow you. <laughs> if you're good at it, right? Uh, and and that's I, I just have a lot of respect for great stand up comedians. I think that they're super smart. Uh, and so you decided like, hey, I want to be good at this craft. Yeah, and, like, and then, I will spend hours like thinking about this and making myself funny. Yeah, and and there's like a module that that you feel like you're developing. It's it's like a new software that you're putting into your system, and then that's now part of your personality. Right. Yeah, I think that like, I think we've all heard like like tidbits like there's certain areas of personality. It's like fake it till you make it, right? Like put on this mask of you being like this gregarious, charming person or put on this mask of being like a really dominant leader and keep practicing it, faking it until like it becomes second nature, right? Like that's like been like a personal like tip for myself, right? Pretend I'm a video game character. I'm like controlling this Jeff Wu character like going around in the world. So it's like there's a less personal ego tied to like the success of this character, Jeffrey Wu. Yeah. So I'm like just kind of like zooming out behind it and then after you do it enough times like hey like that was fine like if i fail at something it's like not that bad no one actually cares right so so this is interesting we're talking about all these aspects of personality of of the software layer of the human system where you can kind of rewrite things uh you can you can have different routines different characteristics and you can be in, in charge of that and what we're talking about today in general is something even deeper though is like not just software layer but like hardware layer and i think one thing that's interesting that, that we've been doing a lot is intermittent fasting like this, this idea of once a week fasting for 36 hours and it's actually a fast day so every tuesday we have our last meal from monday dinner and we break fast together Wednesday morning, so that's a thirty-six hour fast, and that's and that's interesting because in the short term, that's doing things like making you disciplined, it's making you focus, it's making you uh, like, like stay on the work rather realizing 
the relationship that you have with food and how you might go take breaks, not because you're hungry, but to procrastinate. It has all these kind of short-term software benefits on your right. personality. It makes you a more disciplined person. Um, they're not short-term, actually. I think that if you keep doing it, it's long-term. Uh, but it also has hardware effects, right? Because yep. it, it lets your gut microbes relax. Insulin sensitivity goes up. You know, different genes that correlate with longevity, like certain ones, cert two are upregulated, so they're expressed more. Yeah, like a lot of these health benefits, like your blood pressure goes down, your heart rate goes down. That's like hardware manipulation, right? That's like imagining like, hey, you do this like regimen to your computer and then like its CPU goes faster. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you right. remember like defragmenting your hard drive back in the day? Like your, yeah, well, like your, the, the, your hard drive stores data in all these spots, like wherever's quickest uh, to write the data to. But then when you want to read data, that's not necessarily optimal for reading data. So you can have your computer do a job. That's actually a great analogy. You, can, you have your computer do a job where it like re, like it puts, information bits that are commonly needed together like things that are part of the same file it puts them on the same physical part of the disk um, and it's just a job that you can run on like a weekly basis this is like back in the day i think computers do this more automatically now or they're smarter right. but like windows 95 like if you wanted your computer yeah, to run they, faster i remember doing defrag you, yeah, yeah you defrag and and so it's this it's this thing that you run that makes it better or like updating your firmware or something there's there, it's like this job right. you, you do a little pause in the day right like it's like when you're defragging you're not like Installing new stuff, right? Like it's definitely a pretty heavy process, but then the week, like the, the seven days afterwards, like your your system runs much faster, right? right. It's like kind of like that's a funny way to put it. Like intermittent fasting is like the way to defrag your your, your own personal human hardware, right? And there's and uh, we're obviously super into nootropics, like eating something to that affects your hardware that makes you better at just fundamental physiological things like reaction time and short-term working yep. memory. And why do we do that? Well, it's because I want to be a better learner. I want to be better at the work that I do. I want to be able, able to focus for longer, which kind of touches onto like the software layer. Like I've done a lot of software types of things to be better at sitting and focusing and learning and taking critique and getting better at the things I do. I've done a lot of like software things. Right. And what was really interesting to me about nootropics, like years ago, first getting into it, was it's like, it was just deeper. It's not just like, hey, read a book and think about the world differently, but it's like, no, like actually affect your hardware in a way that enhances your system. Yep, improve your CPU, right? right. Like instead of one gigahertz processor, get a 1.2 gigahertz CPU. Right, and it makes a lot of sense. And I think that there's also companies coming from the other direction where they're coming like, 23andMe, that they, they can tell you your genome. You send them a spit, sal like saliva cheek swab, and they take your cheek cells and give you your DNA right. from it. Uh, they're kind of coming from the bottom where they're saying, hey, here's like the fundamental building blocks of a, of a Jeffrey. Uh, well, I would say that we're coming from, we're thinking about it holistically, right? Like if <clears throat> there are, uh, you know, gurus or like these people, like these, you know, Tony Robbins, motivation coaches are telling you like, hey, like positive thinking. And then there's like fundamental, like, you know, medicine-based companies, like biotech-based companies coming from the bottom up, like, hey, this is your raw data and not very actionable, right? Like I haven't been able to do really anything with my 23andMe data. Um, I think we're thinking about it from a holistic standpoint, right? Like we can optimize ourselves and we can optimize through the whole stack of what, mean, what it means to be a human, right? From our personality, from our software layer, all the way down to our hardware. And that's, I think, why we're excited about like the genetic part of the equation, right? Because, you know, we're touching our hardware with consumables, but the next level deeper is like personalizing uh, based on your genetics, right? Like 
what it has been actionable for me from 23andMe or other genetic SNP, uh, uh, SNP services have been, hey, like I'm a person like a slow caffeine metabolizer, right? Yeah. And you might be a fast one. So like caffeine stays in my system longer than, than someone else. Right. So it stands to reason that, hey, like my cup of coffee or my go cube, right, should have different ratios of caffeine to other nootropics. Yeah. Or being like a higher low producer of vitamin D right. or having like natural <clears throat> bone strength that's higher or lower. There's all, all these things might affect what you want to take. Right. Uh, one thing that pops into my mind when I think about like human body as a system and and nootropics and fasting and stuff is that we have these like set inputs like our senses we have our mouth we have we have our ears like we have our eyes we have and all of the all the information we take into the in, from the world is through these senses right when we're right. learning it's through our eyes and our ears when we're eating it's through our mouth and one one thing that's funny to me is it's, it's kind of arbitrary like what if there's a new input in the future what if there's like a new way into the system because this is stuff that like we share in common with with monkeys do you think in the future that we'll have like some new better input? Like you remember in the Matrix, there was like the thing that like bolts right like, into your spine, bolts yeah. into your spine. Like that's cool sci-fi. And I wonder, I wonder other things earlier. Like actually, like you know, people take IVs when they're sick. Right. You never take your an IV when you're healthy. Maybe if you're like a super professional athlete, you would. I don't know. Uh, but. Or when that, you're hungover. Or you're hungover, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe people, I don't know, if there was a way of doing it actually whenever anyone is hungover, right? Like most people when they're hungover don't have just an IV and like do the thing. Like, right. But maybe if you had like uh, uh, input that was super easy to clip an IV into and it was painless, you just like put an IV in there and then you're hydrated. I think like that'd be really cool, yeah, right? I, I, think, I think that opens up an interesting question, right? Like if we extrapolate out the humans as a system analogy, then yes, there will be new input methods into the human body right like i think i think we have fundamentally long science and technology and yeah why can't there be like nanobots that you inject into your bloodstream and they like release uh they like attach directly to your neurons and start inputting new like a, a, a new input output system into directly into your brain right yeah. like hey yeah I, oh, why can't a matrix like future exists where like, yeah, you install memories. What is a memory? Well, it's not super well understood, but like the hypotheses are like the connections between the different neurons, their axons in, in, in different patterns, right? It's tend to store like how memories are stored. Yeah. Um, can we like manipulate them in a way with like nanobots or, you know, some sort of manipulation to like put them in, in new configurations to give you right. new memories. But there might be, yeah, there might right? be. It's, it seems like it's physically possible. Yeah. We can't do it yet, but it's physically like from a yeah, physics perspective. Yeah, yeah you can and move I think, atoms around to right. make that configuration happen. Right. And I think another way to think about it that's maybe more more organized than just like nanobots or an injection is like a, a, a subsystem. Like your eye is a subsystem of your body. You can imagine like a hardware subsystem that like does something and maybe it's like that has got some degree of, of autonomy to it where it's like... That's interesting. Yeah, like... Like what if like you you replace your disk drive with like a solid state drive, right? right. So it's a lot strong, a lot faster, more efficient, you know, hard hard disk, right? Yeah. It's like plug in a new eye with like new inputs. New yeah. Senses. Or yeah. plug something in that like can regulate your something about your body in, in in ways. You know, it's interesting as we're talking about this because there's actually a lot of things that have touched on the human system, like like, like for instance, eyeglasses. Eyeglasses are interesting. <laughs> I think like like being transsexual is interesting. I think that. Uh, birth control is interesting or the uh, like an IUD 
that, that prevents you from getting pregnant. These are all interesting. Like you're manipulating you're manipul human hardware. Yeah, and a lot of times these are the the progress has been very slow to say, hey, like there's this you're a system, and and you want to change it. And and ninety nine percent of the time it's because you're you're ill in some way. You had a heart attack, or, or we're installing a stint, or like you broke your leg, we're fixing your leg. And then there's these these things like on the edge, like plastic surgery, birth control, whatever, like that, like affect your system in some meaningful way in a way that's like accepted but i think what's happening is the price of that's going down i think that the the price of potential other things that you would install is going down i think in general people are excited at the notion of optimizing their hardware and, yeah, and it seems almost reasonable when you put it that way right like if you put it that way we're already manipulating our hardware yeah right like yeah it's, birth control you know you know sexual you know gender reassignment like those are very like like intimate you know ways to manipulate our our, our bodies so it's yeah. like very much stands the reason that hey we can manipulate our brain and our cognition in positive ways as well yeah cool um i mean i think that was like a great yeah, deep discussion <laughs> into you know the axiom of humans uh, as, as a system and uh you know we'll do this every week and we have four more other axioms that we love to you know deep dive into and share our thoughts and our thinking and yeah looking forward to getting your feedback and your suggestions of how we should improve and and and, and uh bring on certain guests um any last thoughts from you yeah i know we have a lot more to say just excited for the next one yeah cool, cool. all right thanks thanks